everyone, and welcome to another episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best, because Gotta Watch Them All was taken. I am your trainer of the day, Ryan Geyser, here with another episode. So just a little intro, you know, my own thoughts. I like to share what's going on. Um, I took an ADR class with Tony Oliver. It was a lot of fun. I got to do the Sword Art Online Pro Tag and a Serial Killer from the Fate series. Two animes I've never seen. <laughs> I was told I actually didn't do too bad, so um, that's hope for me. It was also really fun to listen to other people, too. A lot of people in it did really well. Uh, I also really need to get guests on here at some point. It's just really hard to find a good chance to even ask anyone. Everyone is too busy. So for now, you're stuck with me. <laughs> it's me, Ryan. You're stuck with me forever. What else? Um, I also have an acting showcase I'm going to be a part of on Saturday, so wish me luck for that. Should be tomorrow by the time this episode goes up. Um, most likely past if you are listening after the episode goes up, because, uh, you know, people don't listen the first day and everything. Your listening is still appreciated, though. Please keep it up. I care about you so much. Please. That was just a bad audio. I don't know how I'm going to cut that out, but eh, I'll figure it out. So let us jump right into episode 21. Bye bye, Butterfree. Synopsis. Coming across a cliff, the group learns that it's Butterfree mating season. Ash encourages his Butterfree to court another one, but is rejected. While Butterfree struggles to be more appealing, Ash must face the fact that his Butterfree may have to leave him. We begin with Ash's group coming across a large cliff face at the ocean on the way to Saffron Gym. The three of them then notice a giant swarm of Butterfree, with Brock explaining that it's actually currently Butterfree mating season, a time where Butterfree find a partner and fly across the sea to have babies. Ash then says the title in a very dismissive way that does not really fit the tone of the episode at all. Bye-bye, Butterfree! After renting a hot air balloon to get closer, Ash lets his Butterfree out to find a waifu in the swarm. Unfortunately, Ash's Butterfree doesn't have much luck with all of them rejecting it. Other trainers then also show up and send out their own Butterfree. One of them is a female trainer and Brock falls for them and insists that the two Butterfrees hook up just so he can meet the girl. You know, great Brock, thanks. Cool. That's like getting a dog just to talk to a girl at a dog park. It's not a good move on you. After going into the swarm again, Butterfree finds a pink one that it falls and begins to do a courtship dance for, but is rejected super hardcore and gets slapped by the pink one's wing, then flies dejectedly into some nearby woods. Ash's group chases after it, finding it sitting sadly against a tree. Brock tries to cheer it up by saying how much he relates to it when it comes to rejection. I could write a book about the secrets of love and heartache. I guess that book would be your autobiography. <sighs> Ash encourages Butterfree to show off its strength, to show how great it is. Brock then also gives Butterfree just a cute little scarf to give it some extra pizzazz. Butterfree begins to show off its moves to impress the pink Butterfree, but it is once again ignored. However, before the plot can come to a standstill due to nothing at all changing, Team Rocket shows up and begins to capture the swarm with a helicopter and a giant net. Ash and Misty yell at them, and Team Rocket can somehow hear them over the helicopter noises. They then reply back at normal speaking volume, 100% not reaching Misty's ears through all the whirring. Team Rocket does a fun little rhyme. 
<laughs> We're having quite a spree. We swipe in all the Butterfree. There's never been a happier me. And then captures all but Ash's Butterfree as it attempts to attack the helicopter but fails. Ash is about to send out Pidgeotto, but Misty stops him, saying that it would ruin Butterfree's confidence. Because of this very poor judgment call, Team Rocket gets away. Why none of the other trainers in the air attempted to stop them in any way, shape, or form, I guess we can only assume they didn't have a single other flying Pokemon among them. I don't know, they're just useless. Like, there are a bunch of trainers there that just do nothing. Ash's group attempts to pursue Butterfree in the helicopter, but gets separated. After locating Butterfree again in a canyon, it leads everyone to a warehouse Team Rocket is using. Okay, I can justify them not sending out a Pokemon to do battle or anything, because, you know, maybe they just don't have anything that would be effective against a helicopter. But why did nobody chase after them? It's like just Ash's group. Not a single other balloon in that area is even looking for them. Just as the Rocket Trio is bragging about how their plan worked, Ash and Co. show up and give their own version of the Team Rocket motto. Prepare for trouble, and you can make that triple. To protect the world from devastation. To unite all peoples within our nation. This was just too good to last. Misty has Starmie distract Team Rocket while Butterfree begins to break the net all the other Butterfree are trapped in, successfully freeing all of them. Jesse knocks Starmie into a wall with a hammer, but Misty pulls out this like giant Splatoon-looking water tank gun and sprays it back to full health. Brock then opens the door to let all the Butterfree escape outside while Team Rocket fails to catch them. The pink Butterfree hangs behind to see if Ashes is okay, when suddenly James attacks them. However, Ashes' bug defends his love from the bad man. The Rocket Trio quickly take off in their helicopter and begin catching Butterfree again. Ash has Pikachu ride on Butterfree and land on the helicopter's windshield. You know, kind of defeating the point Misty made earlier where it's like, ah, oh, it'll ruin Butterfree's pride if he has help, because like, He's getting help now. It's just a weird little contradiction that Misty made just to have Team Rocket successfully steal things. Maybe she's a secret agent. Pikachu makes an evil smile as Team Rocket begins to panic about being shocked in a kind of funny way, actually. Then the helicopter blows up, somehow launching Pikachu unharmed into the sky where it's caught by Butterfree, as Team Rocket falls into an abyss. Like seriously, it's just this empty blackness that extends for eternity. They are just gone. Impressed by Butterfree's bravery, the pink Butterfree begins to court ashes, and the two become a couple. Later, during sunset, the group sees Butterfree off at the edge of the cliff. Ash sadly bids farewell to his first captured Pokemon, remembering their short but intense shared history as the bug Pokemon flies off. Just as the Butterfree reach the edge of the horizon, Ash yells one final but happy goodbye as Butterfree sheds some tears. The main trio then look happily over the ocean, marveling at the beauty of love as the episode comes to a close. I think this is one of the most remembered episodes of Generation 1. It may not be a fan favorite, but I think you'd be very hard-pressed to find anyone who watched the original series that doesn't remember this episode, even if they forgot about most of the others. I think the main reason for this is because of how serious and emotional they made the ending of this episode, concluding it with a very bittersweet note, something that the series hadn't really done before this point. It will happen a lot later in the series, especially as Ash has to release more and more Pokémon to make room for new ones, 
but this is kind of a first. It's also kind of funny that Ash releasing Butterfree is such a big event, because Ash lets go of two other Pokemon in the very near future with significantly less fanfare. But we'll get to those episodes shortly. Despite the memories and intense emotions some people may feel when remembering this episode, I think it's through rose-tinted glasses. While not a bad episode, I actually think that besides the ending having sudden weight to it, this episode is really lackluster. It really doesn't fit a whole lot into its runtime, and it's following the amazing episode that was Maiden's Peak. I think what might have really helped with it would be having Ash grapple with the thought of losing Butterfree throughout the whole episode, especially since trading it in the St. Anne episode caused him so much distress that he risked dying to get Butterfree back. Having him emotionally confront the fact that letting Butterfree go is the best course of action at the end would be a really good way to lead into the ending we actually got, while making the rest of the episode incredibly engaging. In my opinion, at least. But, since they didn't, it's just an overall kind of... eh, episode. Coming up, we have the beginning of another three-part episode chain, this one being episode 22, Abra and the Psychic Showdown. Synopsis. Arriving in Saffron City, the trio is beset with mysterious psychic phenomenon before finding themselves at Saffron Gym. These psychic events seem to only intensify and grow more dangerous when Ash challenges the gym leader. We begin with the shot of a little, fancily dressed girl sitting on the lap of a shadow-surrounded woman. The woman's eyes flash red and then turn normal as she says, Time for us to play. Before a vision of Ash and his friends appear in her pupils. It then fades to the same scene of the Poke crew walking through the woods at night. Something no smart person would ever consider doing. This point is proven when we learn that they are once again lost. A very reoccurring theme, even when they have like a GPS smartphone later, they just get lost all the time. As the group begins to argue, Pikachu points out the creepy, mysterious girl from earlier, laughing and playing with a ball in the mist, who then runs away when Ash tries to ask them for directions. Ash chases after her, and she vanishes while Ash accidentally runs off a cliff, being saved last minute by Bulbasaur's Vine Whip. This actually turns out somewhat well for the group, though, as the cliff has a clear view of Saffron City in the distance, helping them all get right back on track. After the title card, we cut to the group finally entering their next city destination. Just as they walk through the gate, some firecrackers go off at their feet as they are approached by Team Rocket in some very racist Hawaiian outfits, who congratulate them for being the one millionth, one millionth and first, and one millionth and second visitor to the city. Which would actually be a stunningly low number IRL. Cities have that many people just living in them normally. Team Rocket then does a little song. The evil trio leads the good trio to an office building, which is unoccupied, saying that they're going to a secret prize room. While the group has their backs turned, the Rocket duo swipes Pikachu with some rubber gloves and pushes the Poke Trio onto a warp tile, the only one we'll ever see in an anime despite their prevalence in the games which transports them to an empty, exitless room. Kind of really concerning that this room and tile are just in an office building. Maybe it's a Team Rocket base. Or a psychology lab. Either one kind of works, actually. Team Rocket lowers a monitor into the room and reveals themselves, causing Ash to be disgusted. It's Team Rocket! Team Rocket tries to do their motto, but the main trio ignore them and instead have tea on a table that they somehow smuggled into the room. 
While angrily gloating that they have Pikachu, Team Rocket's monitor suddenly stops working. Meowth then points out that the little kid from earlier is in the room, and when the trio tries to go to stop her, they are frozen in place as the girl teleports away with Pikachu. She returns the rodent to Ash, and then teleports his group back outside, conveniently right in front of the Saffron City gym. A mysterious jogger then just runs up to the group out of nowhere, warning that they stay away from the gym, before just jogging away again when the group turns their backs for a second. However, Ash remains undeterred and enters the gym regardless. As they look around inside for someone to try and help them, they come across a room full of people trying to perform Esper-like abilities, such as card guessing and spoon vending. A man with a funny accent wearing a mask then approaches and asks what they're doing. Ash explains that they're here to challenge the gym leader, and the man says her name funny. You want to challenge the great Sabrina? Sure do! After Misty asks what all the people in the room are doing, the man demonstrates by trying to use telekinesis to bend a spoon himself. He goes really red in the face and nearly pops a blood vessel before the spoon droops just a tiny little bit. And he explains that you need telekinetic powers to train psychic Pokemon. Which is wholly untrue. Ash then proudly bends the spoon with both his hands, to the disappointment of his companions. Muscle over mind! Embarrassing. Just pretend we never met him before. The man leads them to the great Sabrina who the group are surprised to learn is the little girl that helped them earlier. The accent man wonders why Sabrina would waste her time with these losers, before Sabrina telekinetically chokes him like Darth Vader, causing him to beg for forgiveness and run out of the room. We never see this man again, which is a crying shame. Sabrina accepts Ash's challenge, but only under the condition that, if he loses, they all have to be her friends and play with her forever. Ash accepts, not realizing how threatening that demand actually sounded, and thinking it's just a lonely little girl. However, the screen in front of her raises and the shadows clear, revealing the real older Sabrina, who slams the doors shut behind them. Sabrina sends out her Abra, while Ash sends out Pikachu. Ash and Pikachu are surprised to learn that Abra is asleep, and after hearing about it from his Pokedex, orders Pikachu to use Thundershock on it. Sabrina uses her psychic abilities to command Abra to teleport out of the way, and then spontaneously evolve into Kadabra. Which is really funny, because this episode is named after Abra, and it only appears in it for like a minute and a half. She could have just sent out Kadabra to begin with, but Sabrina has the heart of a showman, needing to make this whole performance of it evolving. Or it was just a coincidence, and she actually planned on battling with just a teleporting Abra. Ash, knowing that it's an illegal move to have Pokemon leave the field during a league-sponsored match, orders Pikachu to fill the whole stadium with electricity, so that there's nowhere to teleport. Pikachu does this, creating this, like, wild electrical storm on the ceiling in a manner that we've never seen before, or I think since. Kadabra then uses confusion to redirect the lightning at Pikachu, in the shape of a dragon, just because, you know, Sabrina's a really big showman, she just wants to show off and do stuff that's cool. It then uses Psychic on Pikachu, lifting it up and having it dance. Ash just happily assumes Pikachu is having fun, before Misty calls him an idiot and Kadabra starts slamming Pikachu between the floor and the ceiling, causing Ash to surrender to save Pikachu. Sabrina's little girl half claims her prize of forever friends, teleporting Ash's group to an empty town. The group then breaks into someone's home, with Pikachu running after them, seemingly completely fine after getting demolished in the battle. Inside, the group finds cake on a table, but Brock breaks his teeth and realizes that it's plastic. Meanwhile, Ash wanders into a bathroom, accidentally barging in on someone in the tub. 
He panics at first, but realizes that the person in there is actually a doll, which somehow turns around on its own just to be creepy. Just as the group realize they're in the dollhouse, a giant Sabrina removes the roof and tries to grab and play with them, which is not a fun image, actually. They all run away onto the doll street, but hit a dead end in front of a picture frame containing a photo of Sabrina, a man, and a woman. Wonder who they could be. The little girl tosses a ball down the street, which threatens to crush them, before the jogger from earlier teleports in and flashes them all to safety, while Sabrina stares down at them emotionlessly. Emotionlessly. That's a fun word. Whoa. Okay. Back in the real-life world, the jogger warns again that Sabrina should not be challenged, but Ash insists that he just needs to make a quicker attack on her Pokémon. Really annoyed, the man then pulls Ash's pants down and has him do a little funky dance, saying that if Ash can't beat him, he can't beat Sabrina. Ash is then flung away, but begs to learn how to counter Sabrina's powers. After getting up from another couple psychic attacks, the jogger finally relents and tells Ash that he needs a ghost type from Lavender Town before teleporting away again. It's actually kind of funny because in Generation 1, ghost types are ineffective against psychic types, something that Gen 2 onwards fixes and makes them effective against them. It's theorized that this was actually just due to an error in the games and it was always intended that they were strong against psychic types, but considering that the Gen 1 anime once again defies typing rules, it's just another funny little amusing extra detail. Ash then determinedly begins his journey to Lavender Town, as the jogger watches from a tree hoping they'll be able to help Sabrina. We then see Meowth dragging a still-frozen Jesse and James, as the episode ends with a triumphant song for their suffering. Seeing the anime portray Sabrina like this is super interesting, because in the game she's just like a powerful and maybe slightly emotionally distant trainer. She's not evil and even goes on to become a movie star. Sure, you could argue that the manga made her evil too, but... The manga is a whole different beast to tackle for a multitude of reasons, including altering a ton of other characters, so ignore it. So choosing to take this character with little to no development from the games and make her this crazy, psychopathic, and powerful esper is a really fun choice that I think pays off really well to make this little arc engaging and interesting. While this episode is only okay by itself, the entire Sabrina trilogy as a whole are a fun few episodes, as we'll soon see. Also, while I don't think it's been confirmed, there's a chance that this episode is possibly based on the Twilight Zone episode, where this couple wakes up and finds out they're in this little toy town. So, you know, just a little fun fact to close out this conclusion, since it's kind of lackluster because there's not much to say about this episode. Episode 23 the Tower of Terror. Synopsis. Arriving at the Pokemon Tower in Lavender Town, Ash is determined to find a ghost to defeat Sabrina. But while wandering around the haunted tower, Ash learns what's causing all these chilling experiences only after it's too late for him. While on their way to Lavender Town, a fog shrouds the group's walk through the woods. Brock suggests everyone hold hands to not get separated, so Ash and Misty grab onto each other and leave Brock hanging. He thinks he sees Ash's hand, but grabs Pikachu's tail by mistake, shocking him. Gotta meet that Pikachu shock someone joke quota somehow, am I right? Misty yells at Brock for scaring her by yelling, and Ash ominously says that he was scared too, turning around and scaring the group with a super doofy looking skull mask. Ash laughs and says that he was testing the group to be fearless, causing Brock and Misty to yell at him angrily and Pikachu to zap him. 
Dang, Pikachu's app jokes twice in just a couple minutes. This is going to be a riot of an episode. The trio eventually reach Lavender Town, and then the Pokemon Tower. Brock and Misty refuse to go inside, upsetting Ash. Pikachu also refuses to go in, instead opting to fall asleep. Ash agrees with Pikachu and thinks waiting until morning is better, but Misty wakes him up and yells at him to go in, despite being too scared to go in herself. So, you know, just a great use of this episode's runtime. Team Rocket, having already entered the tower, watches from a window. Seeing that the main trio have arrived, James rushes off to start preparing their trap, before falling through the floor and landing injured on the ground below. As the other two look down to check on him, Meowth sees and is frightened by a Ghastly. Which is weird, considering that he has not only seen a Ghastly before, but was also the second one to jump in and try to fight it with zero hesitation in the Maiden's Peak episode. I guess he's just suddenly scared of ghosts now. Who knew? Meowth then sees the ghastly on Jessie's face, causing him to scratch her and her to hit him with a frying pan into the hole in the floor. Jessie is then also spooked by the ghastly, and also falls through the hole. Their combined weight then breaks another hole through the floor, causing them all to plunge into the basement, their screams being heard by the protagonists outside, scaring them as well. Brock suggests going to check whose screams those were, with all three cautiously going into the tower together. Ash sends out Charmander to light up the room, which it does with a short flamethrower, thankfully not catching a single cobweb, dusty piece of furniture, or wooden structure on fire, which would have been very easy to do. Unlike the game, where the Pokemon Tower is this large cemetery, the Pokemon Tower in this anime is this, like, abandoned, fancy, old castle mansion thing. It kind of makes you wonder why a structure like this is still standing, unguarded, and completely dangerous. But I like to think that everyone knew it was just a good place for ghost Pokemon to call home. It's kind of like leaving old homes intact if they have an endangered bird group living in them or something. You just leave it up and hope for the best. Misty then suggests waiting until daytime, with Ash saying ghosts don't come out during the day. So you know, both of them completely flip their stances on this situation quickly. Brock then walks over with a candle he found, so Charmander uses Flamethrower to light it up, blasting Brock as well, to his ire and Pikachu's humor. Light the candle, not me! As the group walks deeper inside, they hear ominous, disembodied laughter. The scene then shifts, and we see that the laughter is just a Haunter and Gengar watching a physical comedy show. The dub actors went really ham on the laughter. It's great. Ghastly comes into the room as well, alerting them to the tower's visitors, and the three then happily go off to prank the group. Ash's group then comes to a dining room, where the lights flicker on and the party ball hangs above them, with a rope that says pull me on it. Ash follows the directions, and the ball bursts into a welcome banner that you can tell was clearly edited by four kids. All of the food, dining utensils, and furniture then start flying around the room, causing the group to flee in terror and the three ghosts to revel in laughter. Outside, Ash insists on going back inside, to which his companions and Pokemon both refuse, with Charmander flamethrowing the whole group just to prove the point. Brock is just getting attacked left and right in this episode, huh? Ash then calls his Pokemon cowards and drags them inside anyway, determined to catch a ghost type and defeat Sabrina, encouraging Charmander and Pikachu with this motive. Misty and Brock elect to stay outside. Ash eventually comes across the whole Team Rocket fell through, hearing their pained groans and thinking it's coming from a ghost Pokemon he can't see yet. 
So he has Pikachu and Charmander attack them before throwing a Pokeball down and hitting Jessie right in the face, causing her to cry before her hair burns up. God, I feel so bad for them. Just give them Pikachu as like a little treat or something. Ash quickly forgets about them, though, as he's harassed by a haunter. After it does the old poke someone's shoulder while they ignore you and think it's someone else trick, Ash has Charmander battle it, having it use Leer. While it starts out as an intense staring match, Charmander eventually makes a silly face, causing Haunter to burst out laughing again and Charmander to look oddly kind of cute. The Fire Lizard then gets licked and sent into a state of paralysis, so Ash calls it back. Thanks for the help, Charmander! You did great this episode, buddy. Thanks. Gengar then also shows up and just slaps Ash with a paper fan. Because straight up physical assault is funny. Ash tries to use his Pokedex for info, but it says that no info is available. Which is 100% BS because Gengar is not like this super rare Pokemon, and many trainers later in the series are seen with one. Ash even gets his own at some point. Like, it is not this crazy rare Pokemon. There's 100% data on this thing in the Pokedex. The two ghosts then try to act silly to get Ash to laugh by hitting each other and bouncing up and down. But Ash just remarks that they're weird and unfunny, causing them to sink depressedly into the floor. Ash tries to jump after them but slams into the floor and causes a chandelier to fall from the ceiling and crush him and Pikachu. Pikachu zaps it as a natural reflex, causing it to light up, which the ghosts laugh at before realizing that Ash and Pikachu are just actually straight up dead. And that will not be the last time either of these two die, so you better start a counter for it. Haunter then pulls their souls from their bodies, something it can just do apparently. Ash and Pikachu panic at first upon realizing they're ghosts, but are dragged away by the Pokemon and led to the roof, where they're amazed at the view of Lavender Town they get. Ash very quickly is okay with the fact that he is now dead and separated from his body, and uses this chance to spook Brock and Misty, who are still waiting outside, by speaking to Misty in a ghosty voice, and then lifting her into the air before dropping her for Brock to catch. Thankfully, he does catch her, but like, come on, Ash, that could have actually really hurt her. She doesn't have freedom from back injuries like you do now. That was like an actual real drop. Which, in retrospect, actually kind of fits the title of this episode. Because, you know, Tower of Terror just, like, drops people and involves ghosts and stuff. It, it really makes sense when you think about it. Misty starts worrying about Ash after realizing that it was his voice and rushes back in to check on him. Meanwhile, Ash and Pikachu enjoy flying with their new ghost friends through the nightlit woods before being led to a secret attic in the tower filled with these childish toys that the ghosts enjoy playing with. Ash realizes that the ghost just wants someone to play with, but he apologizes and says that he has to leave, causing the ghost to just burst out crying. Meanwhile, Brock and Misty mourn and panic over Ash and Pikachu's corpses. Ash, returning from the secret room, sees this and returns to his body along with Pikachu, elating his friends. His friends then quickly shrug off his near-death experience, or actual death experience if you look at it that way, and head out on their way. As the group begins to walk away from the tower, Misty wonders how Ash plans on beating Sabrina with no ghost Pokemon, and Ash says that maybe he'll win with his sense of humor, intentionally or not, foreshadowing the next episode. Haunter then appears and makes a funny noise to scare Brock and Misty away. Huh? <laughs> 
slash laughs. Haunter makes funny faces that I sadly can't show in an audio format. And without words, Ash has Haunter agree to help him on his quest to beat Sabrina. Not technically catching, but partnering up with his new ghost friend. Meanwhile, in the secret attic, Team Rocket is literally being tortured. Again, by being tied up to a speeding merry-go-round as Gengar and Ghastly watch laughing as the trio scream for help. The episode ends with their pained cries. Cool. So, I remember a lot more happening in this episode than actually did. In actuality, the group is scared, goes in-house, is scared, leaves house, is scared, goes in-house, dies, lives, leaves house, is scared, and that's all there is. I recall this being a better episode than it was. It's not bad, it's just really nostalgia-goggly. Charmander is still cute the entire time, though. I love the little guy, even if he really didn't help anything. Also, I feel so freaking bad for Team Rocket. They are just literally tormented the entire episode for no reason. They don't even try any schemes this episode, just unjustified extreme violence against them. Come on, Ash, just give them Pikachu for like five minutes as an apology. Other than that, another kind of meh episode. It's goofy, but not to the extreme fun goofiness that the other Ghastly episode had. And I feel like it's a disservice. We do get one of Ash's shortest-lived companions, though, and also the first of his many deaths, so that's fun, I guess. Finally for today, we have episode 24, Hunter vs. Kadabra, the grand finale of the Sabrina trilogy. Synopsis. Returning to the Saffron Gym with a ghost Pokemon in tow, Ash attempts to challenge Sabrina to a rematch. However, his new Haunter companion's shaky loyalty puts Ash's group in real danger when faced with Sabrina's psychic powers. Ash and co. return to Saffron City, this time with a Haunter on their side. Brock is afraid of it, but Misty finds it kind of cute. Haunter then licks and paralyzes her, Ash scolds it, it cries, and then Ash forgives it and laughs. Misty is stunned on the ground the entire time. He then explains to the Haunter that he needs its help to beat Sabrina, and it agrees. As Ash is about to proudly walk into the gym again, Brock, Misty, and Pikachu cheer him on from the side, being too scared to re-enter the gym. Brock also muses that maybe Ash is being controlled by the ghost. Hmm. Ash sends out Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle. I think just to remind us that they exist, and not really any other real reason, and then rushes inside the gym. Man, he's really giving Pidgeotto the short end of the stick, huh? First, he refuses to send it out for the helicopter, refuses to send it out against the ghosts, and now isn't even bringing it to the gym with him. Also, despite their very strong reluctance to do so, Pikachu, Brock, and Misty follow him inside as well, with no argument. Sabrina accepts the rematch, with the threat of playing with them again if he loses. She sends out her cadaver once more, while Ash commands Haunter to help fight. Unfortunately for Ash, Haunter is now missing, despite being next to him like 30 seconds ago. Uh, Haunter? Hey! Haunter! Where'd you go? Haunter, please report to the floor! Ash attempts to have another one of his Pokemon fight, but Pikachu and then his starter trio all quickly back away, terrified. Despite the fact that Ash has a perfectly good Pidgeotto he could send out, he immediately forfeits the match when Sabrina demands he choose a Pokemon, running away just leaving Brock and Misty there, who follow after him. Seriously, like, Pidgeotto is getting stiffed hard. I feel so bad for this bird. Ash does not give two craps about it. 
Mini Sabrina says, It's fun to chase them! <laughs> and starts putting the gym on full lockdown. Since Ash had a head start, Misty and Brock are caught quickly and transformed into tiny little ragdoll versions of themselves. I'm sure this was an awakening for a niche group of furries. Just as Ash and his Pokemon are about to be transformed as well, the jogger from two episodes ago returns, teleporting them out of danger but leaving Brock and Misty behind for Sabrina. The group reappears outside, all landing on top of one another. Hey Pikachu, I'm glad you're safe, but would you please get off my back? Will you all please get off mine? As the Pokemon happily play, despite two of their friends basically dying as far as they know, Ash bemoans how mean Sabrina is. The jogger then recounts that Sabrina was actually a very nice young child, but eventually became obsessed with developing her powers, turning cold, distant, destructive, and cruel as a result, driving away even her parents. The man then pulls out a photo of a young Sabrina with her family, explaining that she split herself in two, one a sadistic and powerful trainer, and the other one a lonely little girl that just wants to have friends. Ash muses how Sabrina had the same photo in her room, and confronts the man, confidently accusing him of being the family photographer. The man, initially worried that he's been found out as Sabrina's father, yells at Ash for his stupidity before dropping the issue. The man explains that in order for him to rescue his friends, Ash has to defeat Sabrina, and must find Haunter to do so, causing Ash to go looking for the ghost in the city. Team Rocket, meanwhile, is disguised as window washers and try to catch Pikachu, using their super special secret ancient weapon, a fishing net. They then sing a little song about eggs, before being crushed by a giant one. Oh, James, it's the greatest discovery since Einstein invented the light bulb. Even greater than the chicken who invented the egg. <laughs> Just as the evil trio is about to throw the net on Pikachu, Haunter appears and scares them by just existing in front of them. The three then fall from their washing lift, holding onto the edge in a chain with Jesse on top, clinging for their lives. They each beg for their own survival, when Haunter then starts making a bunch of doofy faces in front of Jesse, who eventually starts laughing and drops the group to their death, literally crashing a hole through the concrete, laughing the whole time. Man, please just give these three a break. They have been tormented way too much in this trilogy. Ash then sees the death of his enemies and thanks Haunter for stopping them from catching Pikachu. He then tries to bring it back to the gym, but it seems reluctant to do so. However, it eventually gives in and agrees again. Meanwhile, Brock and Misty are trapped motionless in a dollhouse, worried about what their fate will be. They then meet another doll that talks to them, revealing herself as Sabrina's mother, who, despite the situation, defends Sabrina as a good daughter. I don't know, it sounds like you've been stuck like this for years, and most likely have been played with and forced to like kiss a Ken doll or something. I feel like eventually you'd draw a line and be like, huh, maybe having some second thoughts about my daughter's morality. Minnie Brina lifts the roof to play with her new toys, and rejects the pleas and challenges of Misty and Brock, saying they'll just run away again if I change them back, leaving me all alone. However, just as she's about to do something with the dolls, Ash returns and challenges her to a second rematch. Unfortunately, Haunter flakes on Ash again, causing him to have a panic attack and then resign himself to his fate. Luckily for him, Pikachu accepts the battle this time, determined to prevent Ash from becoming a doll. Something small I noticed that this scene kind of demonstrates is, remember the Mount Moon episode when Ash had trouble understanding Pikachu? 
Well, now while he still has to confirm what Pikachu's intentions are, he seems to understand the nuances of what Pikachu means much better now. Just a little detail I picked up on, and one which becomes a full-fledged understanding as the series goes on. It's just kind of nice to pinpoint certain points where you kind of notice it. Kadabra teleports out of the way of Pikachu's attacks, confusing it with a Psybeam encounter. Recovering, Pikachu manages to actually land a hit on Kadabra, but Sabrina has it use Recover to heal its injuries, stating coldly that the battle is impossible to win. However, Haunter shows up out of nowhere to the surprise of everyone. It starts goofing around in front of Sabrina, who calls shenanigans on Ash's part for doing a two-versus-one battle. But Sabrina's father shows up to defend Haunter's actions, saying that it's being silly on its own accord and not actually fighting, so it doesn't count. Haunter eventually pulls a cartoon bomb out of its mouth, which blows up an it in Sabrina's face, which I think suddenly counts as fighting. Thankfully, Sabrina found the gag funny and begins to burst out laughing. Her father looks on with glee, proud that his daughter is finally happy. Ash wonders how the man knew Sabrina her whole life, realizing that the man, of course, must have also taken her baby pictures, with him calling Ash an idiot in response. You must have taken her baby pictures, too! Just how dense can a person be? While Sabrina's father is happy, Ash is upset that Haunter became friends with the gym leader instead of helping him win against her, fearful that he's going to become a doll now, too. However, the man points out that Kadabra, being psychically linked to Sabrina, is also incapacitated with laughter, making him unable to fight and leaving Ash as the winner by default making this three out of four badges that Ash technically didn't win legitimately. Sabrina's tiny self fades away, as all of the dulled people are returned to normal. It's implied that Sabrina turns all of the losers into toys, so either she actually lets them all go eventually, she's a terrible trainer that has never won, or only Misty Brock and her mom are returned to normal while everyone else is left to suffer. Either way, there's only really one good option in that list. Ash then leaves with his friends and a new badge, electing to leave Haunter with Sabrina and her now happy family. Ash wonders if he really deserved the badge, but his friends reassure him that laughter was a good strategy. As Ash begins to race towards Celadon City for his next badge, Team Rocket begs for help from their hole in the sidewalk, as it slowly is filled up with cement, drowning them in the liquid stone as the episode comes to a close. It's gonna sound weird considering what I said earlier, but this episode is also kind of an eh episode. It's better than the first two, but it's still not the best episode so far. However, when combining all of the episodes together, it provides a decently enjoyable and entertaining story arc. I don't know why this is, but looking at the three of them as one whole makes everything seem much better than just standalone episodes kind of like watching a movie scene by scene instead of all at once. These episodes, I realize, also have crazy implications for the Pokemon world. There is canonically someone who can just shrink and turn people into inanimate objects with her mind, easily. Which means so many future problems could just easily be stopped very early if Sabrina was just there. Giovanni? Boom. Doll. Easy arrest. Cyrus? Doll. No god summoning. Lysandry? Ta-da! Doll! No ending all life on Earth! Like, a lot of weird stuff happens canonically in the anime, and it's just fun to keep in mind that woman uses mind to turn people into dolls is one of those canon things. No illusions, no sleight of hand, none of that. Just straight up, you are a doll now. 
it's like really incredible what's canon in Pokemon. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe to this show on whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. It would mean a lot to me. I really would enjoy it a lot. Please, please, please. And also, if you enjoyed it, make sure to tell your friends about it. I would appreciate new viewers coming in. It's, it's always fun welcoming new people to the I Want to Watch the Very Best family. You know, it's a small family now, but maybe one day we'll, we'll be big. We'll be big enough to start our own evil Pokemon team. That would be cool, right? What what evil god are we summoning today? I say Giratina. That boy's underappreciated. We need to like actually summon him on purpose this time. But I hope you have a good morning, day, evening, night, outside of space-time, whatever. Just have a good one. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.